Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukaki, your host. Our heroes are traveling through a temple to save the Wind God, and Tornado Town Terrence has made a magical bindle he named Mr. Spaghetti. But will Mr. Spaghetti have any use whatsoever? Will Butthole use his healing magic if someone needs it? Will they find another rock and name it something dumber than Mr. Spaghetti? Find out next on Dum Dums and Dragons! So along with your new companion, Mr. Spaghetti, you start making your way down the hallway. And uh, Charlie the Dandy. <laughs> so Charlie the Dandy um, explains some things as you walk. The wizard is very strong with wind powers. His name is Augustine Plantier. Alan and Butthole, you both recognize that name. Alan, you know that the Plantier family are known to be incredibly powerful, innate wizards. Mm. And you know that Augustine is one of five. I'm trying to think what the equivalent family in Harry Potter would be, but it's something like that where it's just a family that's known to just like everyone who is born with like incredible innate spellcasting abilities. Okay. Like the Malfoys? Like the Malfoys, yeah, but like... They're not that great. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm trying to... Okay, you name a better one then. Yeah, I like, challenge I, you I to the rewrite. We're, we're looking at like if Lily and James Potter had had five kids who were all as powerful as Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. in, although I guess he's just chosen because of, you, you know what I mean though yeah. um, five Skywalkers there you go just a brood of Skywalkers it's the Skywalker family there's yeah. more than one of them there you go and Butthole you know the Planteers are a huge rival to your parents your parents hate them thinking like Greyjoy and Lannister kind of where it's just like you're both pretty power hungry they're not in the same area of the world so it's not like they're next door neighbors but you, you definitely heard a lot of bitching about them and their, their actions over the years guys he's gonna be a dickhead <laughs> just so you know and he's gonna be pretty powerful and we should all call me Burnhole for this adventure because <laughs> he might know who Butthole is and then we might have problems. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. Happy to not call you Butthole. Burnhole. Excellent. Thank you. I don't know if Burnhole is much better there, Tyler. Queenie's fine with it. All right. Yeah, cool. Let's just call me B-Hole. There we go. Oh, see now. I knew doesn't like that. Well, B? Nope. B-Hole. That's actually how I write you down for initiative order. <laughs> Beyond that, Charlie the Dandy doesn't know too much about him. He didn't have any direct interactions with him. Augustine just knew that he... Does he have any food allergies? <laughs> That's not information Charlie the Dandy would have. Does he have any weaknesses you're aware of? Any exploitable... He seems in, 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 <laughs> incredibly powerful. Is there Charlie anything knows. that makes him real mad? I don't know. Not wind? The best way to think of this guy is going with our Charlie Manson theme of this arc for some reason. Like a, a traveling preacher who like built a cult. So he showed up and was like, I'm super powerful. I'll lead you all off the island using my powers of wind. And everyone was like, well, that seems reasonable, except for Tornado Town Terrence, who knows better. Yeah, so I, I go up to Charlie the Dandy and I very seriously look him in the eyes. I go, do you know his favorite color? Blue. Like the winds. Winds are blue. <laughs> so guys, I think this guy's weakness is dirt. because it's the opposite of wind. Is it? Yep. What do you think, think it is? moves in the wind. Well, it's the opposite of wind, But, like, I, what do you think? Fire's the opposite of wind? No. Sorry, guys. I've been drinking. I'm trying to sober <laughs> up. I think the opposite of wind is stillness. That would be the opposite of movement, not, not wind. We're talking elements. They, they always have an You know the element chart? There's, like, the four elements, and they all have their opposites. Fire and water. But dirt also wind. puts out fire. Yeah, but not as good as water. 
Well, that's pretty good. You reach the end of the hallway. Um, <laughs> and uh, you come to a doorway that, unlike uh, the ones you've seen up till now, seems to be very ornate, very well built. The side facing you is completely blank. There doesn't seem to be any kind of mechanism to it, but you think if you push it, you could probably move it out of the way. Hey, before we move any further, anybody got some healing they can provide to the group? I know I'm in rough shape. I don't know about the rest of you guys. I start bandaging my own arm. I can do cure wounds once. Are you okay to cast that? If yeah. it's critical, I can do it. Hey, uh, Behole, how's your connection to the old uh, Lord there feeling? Listen, Quinny, you you and I had that conversation back in the cave. And yeah. I think it was a really good conversation. I think so too. And you pointed out that I have to show that I am worthy of the powers I have been given, so I can't use magic until this quest is and completed. I, I, no, I think you've already done it. I think you've done it. That's ten out true. of ten. That's not true. Where's my wish? Your wish to have your god back. Where I, we're not back to, make... to the thieves yet. I have to earn our way no, back to the thieves with no magic. That's no. my wish. Your wish is my wish. You can't wish for other people's wishes. That's not how wishes work. You can't wish for other wishes. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard anyone say. Who saddest hurt thing you I've when you heard anyone little. say is, I need to complete this quest before I can heal you. I'm I sorry, have been burn challenged. Hole. It's B-hole. I have been challenged <laughs> to complete this quest with no magic. So I, I can't and use I it. And I think you're being selfish. I, what if one of us I dies? I stand beside Alan. What Listen. if one of us dies because you were selfish enough to think that your faith was more important than our lives? And I say, yeah. Then that's what the goddess wills. I have no idea what they're talking about, but I'm standing next to Alan and Quinny, like with my arms, like folded <laughs> over my chest, like nodding, <laughs> like disapproving, like, how dare you? <laughs> well, do you know what, Quinny? I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on you. I've never done it before, but I'm going to do it. I think you'll be great. I believe in you. So that heals Quinny for 18 you're Amazing. Thank 18. you very much. You're welcome. See, you're practically an it's old my pro. Pleasure. All and right, now, now I, I can't do that again. Well, listen, that's not my fault. If you'd praised Moonhammer, maybe Moonhammer would have given you the power to heal all day. So really, I think maybe you should look at your own choices before you call me selfish. You're out there trying to create daggers and acid and stuff, and you could have been praising Moonhammer. Oh, you mean saving our power. lives? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to help Quinny with his bandages because I'm at 100% health. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Could I like give him advantage on his hit dice with my medical knowledge? Sure. If I'm assisting him, cool. I can do that. I'll take the six. I'm at 31 health now, up from seven. So thank you both. Let's pry this thing open. Okay. So working together, you're able to sort of shove the door open, and it uh, opens into a very ornate room. It's very beautiful. It's a stark contrast to the rooms you've been in so far. This one does look like it was built more for form than function. Every inch of it is carved. There's no hard edges. Everything's very soft. Clearly a wind motif throughout the room. Directly ahead of you as you open the door, there is a large, long sarcophagus, for lack of a better mm. term. Uh, carved up from the floor. On top of it, the lid has a full carving of someone who looks like a much healthier version of the thing that you saw at the bottom of the pit. Bald, no nose, long limbs, um, but vaguely humanoid in a robe. In one hand, you see that it holds a stone carving of something that looks exactly like the bag that you have. In the other hand, it seems to be holding what looks like a, a cross between a compass and a weather vane, sort of a handheld piece that uh, seems to have a, a directional weather vane on it, both made of stone, both carved into it. Lining the sides of the room are six sort of alcoves. In each alcove, suspended in wind, are creatures that look just like the one you saw down below. However, they don't look as desiccated, but still the sort of leathery skin, gray. They're just uh, floating there. You note that um, each of them has a jeweled golden stake in its heart. Uh, and at the far end of the room is another doorway that is closed. 
Tornado Town Terrence as a wind monk. Does any of this make sense to you? You said there's a sarcophagus in the middle of the room? Yep. Can I inspect the sarcophagus? Sure thing. So can you roll me a history check, please? Yes. 18. Looking at the sarcophagus and looking at the creatures around, this sparks something in your memory. Because there are a number of wind deities, all the wind monks get kind of a crash course in uh, what each of their deal is and everything else. These to you, you're not entirely certain what they are, but you certainly do know that certain deities have been known to have sort of a class of people who serve them. So these look like they might be priests. Certainly the robes that you notice on the carving seem to, to indicate that. The uh, ones that are floating aren't wearing ornate robes. Uh, it seems to just be the one in the center. So I turn to her and go, I think these are his slaves. Huh. Sorry, how many are there? There are six alcoves. Mm-hmm. Five of them have bodies floating in them. One, One of them, them is doesn't. empty. Yep. Right. Oh. Okay. Mm. Six beds, six foot lockers. I'm going to make a guess based on random undead knowledge from the world <laughs> of the priesthood. <laughs> That one over there, probably number six that we squished well, yes, in yeah. the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm betting don't take the gold stakes out or they wake up. Because oh. if these are vampires and we saw it drink blood, that's definitely going to wake them up. How sure are we about this, though? Very. It was definitely dead. Drank blood was waking up. That's straight up undead. Oh, you want to roll me an inside check? Totally sure about that, but these stakes... Uh, so just a straight 10. You're not sure how much these stakes are worth, but with your thief senses, mm-hmm. they seem like they were worth a bunch of money. We could take like one vampire, right, if it comes to life. How about on the way out, once we've completed what we set out to do? Uh, we don't want to create additional obstacles for ourselves on our you're way. You're right, you're right. This is not like the big okay. score. Thank this you. This is, okay. Yeah, no, you, okay. Do you want a thiefy okay. or do you want a vampire stake? I mean, they could be the same thing. Behold, seriously? Well, I'm just pointing out the thiefies are our goal. It's not whatever's in this room. He's got to steal the thiefy. You can't earn a thiefy. You have to steal it. And if we get late because we wake up a vampire, we all end up enthralled to a vampire, and then we're all vampires and we don't get to leave the tornado island. No thiefies. I wasn't sure what side you were arguing for a moment. I mean, we could do next year, so. Could we? If we're enthralled on Vampire Island forever? Maybe the year after that? I don't know. Enthralled on Vampire Island forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think you want a thiefy. That's what I'm seeing in this behavior. Well, it's a good thing I don't care about what you think. <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll leave the, the stakes for now. We are totally For coming now, back. Agreed. Tornado Town Terrence, as you're uh, further examining the uh, sarcophagus, you can see that it looks like the edge around the uh, the lid seems to be a bit rough. It looks like it's got some scrape marks on it. Uh, it looks like it may have been moved at some point. I open the lid. So you push the heavy lid off. Inside, uh, you can see a creature that's the, the same dimensions as the one on the thing, uh, but it's been mummified. It's wrapped. Mm-hmm. Its hands are in the same position. One hand is empty, but the other hand holds the weather vane compass. Can I inspect the compass, the mummy thing for traps to see if anything's sure. yeah, going to yeah. react you, um, if I touch it? Yeah, absolutely. Can you roll me a perception check, please? Can I assist him with that? Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, I was going to say, or are we just arguing on the other side of the room while this happens? <laughs> total 12. Yep. And how about you? I rolled a 15. Am I adding anything to that? Yeah, your perception, please. Perception. Total of 19. 19. Between the two of you, uh, you kind of look the body over. You can tell that it doesn't seem to be trapped. However, Quinny, as you're kind of looking the body over, you can see that there appears to be a lump around the heart area where uh, it looks like there may be a stake as well. Oh, okay. uh, and as you look, you can uh, see just beneath the hands, there seems to be, be uh, one. There's a mallet under one of the hands. So you get the sense that this thing may have had to stake itself. Stake itself? This Ooh. looks like a classic self-staking, guys. You know how those classic? go. Classic? Oh, no. I've, I've never I've, seen this before. Classic in the sense that this guy appears to be ancient. <laughs> well, we could always just take the stake out of the middle guy and then he'd tell us the story. Oh, now we can take stakes out of things? Well, no, but this one might have a story. Those other guys just seem like security. So I turn to everyone and I go, okay, hold on a sec. I run back and grab the stones from my discarded cloak from before and bring them back and say, okay, 
what do you take the stake out of this guy's heart? And I'm going to stand here with the stone directly over his head. And if he wakes up and starts snarling or something, I'm just going to bash his skull in. And I look at the other two and say, that is the most reasonable thing I've heard all day. And I yank the stake out. The minute Ooh. you yank the, uh, um, yank the stake out, you hear like a horrible hiss that sounds like someone trying to breathe for the first time. The creature kind of like one of its arms sort of snaps up and you hear kind of like brittle snapping and it seems to be reaching for its face. Put it back, put it back, put it back, put it back. He just wants to get his, he can't see. I take out my silver short sword. It reaches up and it drags the bandages off its face. Uh, It says, who dares awaken me? What has happened? Hi, my name's Beehole. This is uh, Terrence holding a giant rock over you. This is Alan. Hi. This is Quinny. Mm -hmm. In the back of the room is Charles the Dandy. I'll introduce you to the rocks (laughs) later. Uh, The bindle is full of wind spirits. Not really sure how that works, but I'm into it. Here's the problem. There's a giant tornado around the island and some dickhead built an army and we want to get off the island. Has the god not destroyed the dickhead? Oh, no, no, not at all. What has happened to the god? That is a great question, Mark, that we do not have answers to. Do you know about the god? The creature um, explains that it and its brethren were the caretakers of the god, and their job was to build the temple. They were made immortal, and the only way they could think to do that was to become vampires uh, so that they could continue the work. So rather than, you know... The ancient Egyptian model of like, we'll just build this over 10 generations. It was like, if we're immortal, we can stay alive long enough to finish the the task. However, when the task was complete, their job was to, in that sort of Egyptian style, follow their master into the afterlife. And, you know, so his job was to stake all the workers. There was some dissent within the ranks, though. And he uh, he notices that one is missing and that the bag uh, is missing. And essentially, he's not sure what happened. Once he completed putting the rest of them to rest, he staked himself. And with his sort of last gasp of energy, took the bag of winds and the compass, entered his rest himself. He doesn't know what's happened to the god. The god was healthy when he went under. Do you want to go with us to save the god from the king of the dickheads? He looks like he can barely move. The mummification process set in after he died, so he's... Well, what do you need? Like, blood? No, he's, he's just, he's not going to be able to come with oh, you. Oh, you just suck. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I ask him what the compass that he's holding does. He's hesitant to explain it, but he sort of recognizes that you've seemed to have befriended some of the winds. So uh, can you roll me a, a persuasion check, please? 11. He's not entirely certain that he should help you. He's worried that you've trapped winds in the bag. He's concerned that you've painted the sacred bag. <laughs> um, what do you want to do to try and get him on side? I release the winds from the bag and like hold out my arms like I'm summoning something. And the winds swirl around me, clearly not attacking me and not treating me as their enemy. The chosen one. (laughs) (laughs) He's quite impressed by your display of wind mastery. He explains that tending to a god is a delicate business. And as a result, he and his order developed means of controlling the god if it became necessary to do so. The means by which they came up with that was essentially in the altar to the god, they built several shrines. He kind of describes how it looks. You might see it two rooms from now. He he basically describes that there are um, several places that channel the raw force of, of wind itself that feeds the god its powers. By using the compass, you're able to choose who will be the avatar of the winds, and that person if they breathe into the bag, can take some of the power of the winds upon them and gain some amount of control over the wind god. He says, if, if indeed the wind god has degenerated to the point that um, you seem to suggest it has, 
one of the only ways to stop it would be to channel it into one of you and to weaken it until it could be controlled or captured. So, for example, if we had somebody on our team who is known for fighting massive storms <laughs> with their fists, perhaps enabling that person to batter down the god. Yes. So yes. to take the god within them with bagpipe-like lungs. If someone had bagpipe-esque lungs, that would be valuable. But And I, I stand there just shaking my head going... Where, oh, where are we going to fight? And I just throw up my hands and go like, all right, let's leave. I don't think this is going to happen anymore. And, and I start walking towards the exit. And then all of a sudden, with a speed you didn't think possible, the creature lunges forth from the sarcophagus as it moves. It's like limbs are turning to dust and powder. It's collapsing. It's like a... I hate to quote Spider-Man 3, but you know in Spider-Man 3 when like Sandman's yeah, trying to walk and he's like turning to dust? And he says, <laughs> yeah, it is up to you, chosen one! And it thrusts the compass at you as its body collapses into dust. And I, I catch the compass. Cool. So I think if you point that compass at yourself and then huff out of that bag, we save the day. We don't even need to fight the king of the dickheads. Am I right? I give it a shot. I <laughs> grab the compass in one hand and I grab the bag that's now empty in the other hand and I breathe into the bag. In the room way behind you, you can hear wind starting to go. The compass is spinning wildly, but uh, nothing happens. I think we got to try that altar. I think we got to go there. Yeah, and let's just kill a guy on the way. That just I think the goddess wants me to. All right. To the dickhead okay. mobile. Couldn't you want the steak that was previously in this guy? I do. So I, I give it to you, I guess. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I took it out. You can't give it away, DM. <laughs> so um, you uh, you quickly and excitedly unwrap it to find that he put golden stakes in all of his workers, and he put but a humble wooden stake in himself. Race this now. <laughs> I grab the wooden stake after Quinny drops it on the ground. Yep. Wait. Can I borrow that wooden stake uh, yeah, for a second? Yeah, I was going to say, Quinny, are we thinking the same thing? We'll see. Can I borrow that there, uh, Tornado Tom? Uh, I hand it over. I have no conception of value. <laughs> cool, great. Uh, I want to do like a fast hand swap for a, <laughs> yeah. a gold stake. Can you roll me stake? a, uh, <laughs> like a While he does that, I'm going to line up with Moonlight Bringer to just like <laughs> hit a skull. It's like an Indiana it Jones. Bad. Dexterity, not sleight of hand? Sleight of hand would be fine. Excellent. That makes it 22 then. So <laughs> you... Yeah, Indiana Jones style, you like weigh it in your hand, you look at it, and you fast swap it, and you get just a briefest second of the vampire coming awake. What do you want to say to it as you swap it in and out? You're fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> uh, so the wooden stake goes in, and the vampire goes back to sleep. You look at the stake, and it looks like it is made of fine gold, seems to carry some minor enchantment. Eyeballing it, looks like it's probably worth about 400 gold. I hold it up to everyone and say, this was a team effort. We got to break this down or we got to sell it and split the profits. This, like, kudos to you guys for helping me out with this one. Listen, I don't want to get greedy here, but... Good. Just don't get greedy. Let's oh, go. we got that. <laughs> but we got a stick on a bindle. And a stick is sort of like four stakes. And there are like four of us. So if we switch a few more, everybody gets one. That sounds... Just a question. Our friend in the sarcophagus was pretty nice and helpful. He would want us to have these golden stakes. But I'm like, out. what about his friends? Would anything bad happen? I mean, this is probably purely like a work relationship. Like they were his work friends and not like his personal friends. Honestly, it sounds like he was a supervisor. And as we've seen in non-union environments, it's a real problem. I agree. We can try the bindle thing, but like just give it like an extra second. Uh, oh, you want to talk to one? Maybe. Well, he said some workers were dickheads. Okay, here's the deal. Okay, no, no, let's do this as a team. Alan, you look at the other four vampires and pick the one who looks least like a dickhead. And then Quinny and I will make a steak, and we'll go for it. I'm going to point out the bindle stick is not steak-sized. It is like a, a thin, proper bindle stick. So you can attempt to make a steak out of it, but it's going to be like a pencil-sized steak. What if we make one steak out of the whole stick, and we tie it together? Then we get two, at least. You'd then lose your bindle, but yes, you could try Well, that. we keep the bag, and we got a balloon. We'll tie it's it to a, a string. We yeah, got rope. I've got, I've got rope. 
Yeah, perfect. All right, so we're going to do a well, rope Tornado Town Terrence, how do you feel about this? I refuse to allow them to desecrate Mr. Spaghetti in this way. Okay, what if we just pulp the skulls of these other vampires? They're dead already. Uh, Are we just doing this for gold without understanding the repercussions? Is that what's happening here? that we get rich, Alan. I'm not comfortable with this. I want to make an offering to Moonhammer, and I need one of the stakes oh, to make an offering. Oh, don't use Moonhammer <laughs> when it's convenient. I object. Listen, I use Moonhammer when it's convenient and inconvenient. Remember when I can't heal anyone this mission? Yeah, when it's convenient to you and inconvenient to the rest of us. What's Charlie's full name? Charlie the Dandy. Charlie the Dandy, did you and your boys come through this room when you came to fight us? Yeah, we, we did. We didn't want to mess with any of these guys, though. Yeah. Is there any cooler stuff up ahead? There's the heart of a mad wind god. How much What's do you think the resale value yeah. on that? <laughs> What's the over-under on, on sale? Well, hang on, let me just check my almanac. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I want to have a look at this wind god heart. Like, that yeah. is thiefy worthy. Well, see, it sounds priceless, which means it's probably not worth very much. Oh, that's the difference between priceless and worthless. Back to the original plan. We get him on the way out. All right. I'll move on, but I want to hold the stake. I'll let you have the stake. Yay! And then I hold the stake and I say, Moonhammer, this is for you. And then I put it in my backpack. So you move on to the doorway. This one is also carved intricately. You get the sense that now that you're sort of out into the area that's meant to elevate the god, that everything's a little nicer as a result. Mm -hmm. So uh, you push that door open and you sort of find yourself in a large room full of frescoes. They're sort of done in 3D and they depict the phases of building the temple and scenes of the workers worshipping the wind god and sort of the wind god's great deeds. Sort of a long hallway that leads to two flights of stairs to the left and the right. Okay. I'm going to pull Charles the Dandy first and say, lead the way to the big guy, little guy. And sure. then I let him lead. He sort of cautiously edges forward and he sort of brings you past the frescoes. Most interestingly to you, Tornado Town Terrence, is you can see there's one depicting the wind god orchestrating like a conductor tornadoes. Mm-hmm. And so this seems to confirm your belief that this is, in fact, the artifact you've been looking for that might be able to help Tornado Town. So he leads you through, he takes you to the stairs and he says, so listen, both of these stairs lead up to a landing. The landing leads up into the mountain to the altar, which is kind of up the top of the mountain. And he says, and that's, uh, that's where the wizard does his work. You coming with, right, Charlie? Uh, yeah, uh, I, yes. You're not going to turn on us, are you? No, God no. Boss. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go hang out with the vampires? If you fuck with us, yeah, you will. <laughs> There's blood seeping through the bandage over his ruined <laughs> eye. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm good. Better be. Do you know what? Maybe you should walk with me, Charlie. Uh, And I bring him over and I'm like, let's go up the stairs. Yeah. I make sure that the wind elementals are following me. I put in the back into Mr. Spaghetti. When we get to the top of the stairs, I look over at Charlie and I go, give me Peter Poplar. He opens the bag and just kind of looks in like you've asked someone for a specific wrench. And he's like, uh, <laughs> so just, he, he lifts out the king of fish. Nope. No, nope, try again. Okay. Uh, he lifts out uh, the mysterious giant. Oh, that guy's good. But no, that's not what we need. Okay. He lifts out Frank. Nope. Oh, no, you don't have, you have, he doesn't have Frank. Uh, nope. So you yeah, he lifts out Peter Poplar. It's the only one left. Oh, perfect. Great job, man. You're really getting to know your stuff. Uh, and I take it and I crack open the door and I say, let us know what's out there. And I throw Peter Poplar out and I close the door. Again. So, uh, and, and I listen, I go, Peter Poplar only speaks Dwarven. <laughs> oh, uh, I speak Dwarven, so just tell me what he says. <laughs> I make some odd guttural grunts that I'm hearing. Oh, goddammit, that's Southern Dwarven. I don't speak that. <laughs> Hello, friends, it is I, Reginald, local hero who's never run away or been afraid even once. I'm here to tell you how you can contribute to the Horde, or our fortress or whatever. They told me I had to do this, and if I don't, 
I could die. So let me tell you exactly what you can get. You can get an opportunity to contribute in a way that doesn't require you to risk your life, but keeps me risking mine. I did not approve this script before I read it. Uh, apparently, if you chip in $15 a month, you get the ability to contribute new names to NPCs and characters and locations that can appear in this show. And then some of them might be my friend. Well, that's very good. I need more friends. And some of them might try to kill me, which is just fine. Up to you. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Join today. You can contribute. Plus, there's ad-free feeds, apparently, in some kind of community. Please, just don't send scary things. When you open the doorway again, I assume you do, rather than just ending the adventure waiting for a rock to report back. <laughs> the doorway seems to lead to a long flight of very thin stairs, so it's sort of like single file. It zigzags up uh, cliffside. At the top, just out of view, there seems to be a huge storm vortex swirling around the, the top of the mountain. Tornado Town, Terrence, is this like what you used to fight in your heyday? I go, whoa, that's, that's the biggest tornado I've ever seen since the one that destroyed most of Tornado Town. I mean, oh, and I get very visibly nervous because it's been a while since I've actually fought a tornado. Okay. Well, A, we're going to help you. Yeah. We're great at murdering. We murdered Let's a big whale. Let's not forget the time whale. you blew up a man as well. Like, you're, you're, <laughs> you're scary. A force to be reckoned with. And, and I look at you and go, times. <laughs> 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 and I explain nothing. <laughs> Uh, and I, so we're like, yeah, you got your wind friends. You got Mr. Spaghetti. Mr. Spaghetti and all his spaghettis are going to help you. You've got this compass thing. You got a bag you can huff out of. It's going to be great. You're going to be so good. So I think we got to go up there and I think we got to kick some ass so I can get my powers back from Moonhammer. Woo! Um, I slowly approach grasping my magic bindle and wearing clothes that I've robbed a corpse for, uh, and I start ascending the, the staircase. I'm going to follow right behind him, alongside Charlie. I'm definitely right there. All right. I unfurl <laughs> my hood and cape so that I can hopefully hide myself if needs be. Oh, and I look back at Peter Poplar on the ground, and I say, be the rear guard, Peter. Let us know if anyone's coming. <laughs> what time of day is it? Storm o'clock. Storm o'clock. <laughs> Quarter past lightning. <laughs> I'm sorry. What time of day is it? That's great. No, that's that, that's about right. Uh, it's hard to tell, but it's not night. Okay, thanks. Batman. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, it is indeed storm o'clock. You make your way up the stairs. When you reach the top, you see that the top of the mountain has been cleaved off and has been leveled. So there's essentially a uh, giant octagon-shaped shrine that's been built. In four corners of it are what look to be altars. Um, so... They're carved out of stone. They almost spiral up to a flat top and then have uh, stairs that spiral up to them. Mm. Oh. The center of the platform is missing. It's almost like it's been ripped out of the ground, and you can see it hovering 80 feet in the air, surrounded by swirling storms, and kind of through the storms, you can see two dwarfs with pickaxes in sort of traditional castaway rags, and they seem to be chipping away at something and floating above them is a man that you can only assume is Augustine Plantier. He seems to be conducting a ritual. You can see him drawing kind of a bluish energy out of the stone. And he's wearing swirling robes. He has the mark of the Plantier family in sort of a half cape over his shoulder. He looks young. His hair is kind of floating around him as he floats. And he seems to be almost conducting the storm. Charlie, did you guys take that bag out of the sarcophagus? No, I didn't. No, none of the castaways did? No, I've never seen it before. Huh. 
I feel like maybe the let's contain the power of a god ritual is already happening with his wizard. I think he's starting one, but we don't know what he's got because he clearly didn't know about the defenders of this place. So yeah. maybe that's like our that's our ace in the hole. Maybe it's good that we dressed it up as Mr. Spaghetti because he won't know what it is. Because if he knew, there's no way this dickhead wouldn't have taken the stuff out of that room. That makes sense. I walk up onto one of the altars. Yeah, I'm going to walk up onto another one. I'll um, walk up onto a third one. Well, let's just make this all symmetrical. All four of you stand on the altars, and all of a sudden, a cone of wind appears around Tornado Town Terrence, and you can feel the compass in your pocket going wild. Like a Bermuda Triangle? Oh, yeah, kind yeah. of. Oh, oh, I got an idea. Terrence, toss me the, the compass. I don't toss it to him. I walk it over to him <laughs> because I'm in the middle of a whirlwind currently. As soon as you step mm. off the platform, the whirlwind ceases. Okay, so I hand it to Butthole, and then I go back okay, to yeah, the Yeah, and I, ca- I cover I it up. Yeah, sort of a, a channel wind comes up around you. It's not spinning in your hand. It seems to be following Terrence. That's what I was thinking. Uh, We're all here, so I've got the funnel of the wind, and I I hold it over my head, and I say, the vampire guy who was mummified and all other wind god people on this island, we have found the chosen one to battle the wind god and its usurper, and it is according to this compass. And I look to make sure that it hasn't changed to its picking. (laughs) Tornado Town Terrence! And then I hold it over my head, and then I, I, like, point dramatically at him and hope something happens. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the wind swirling around you seems to, to coalesce, but it seems unstable now. It's shaking and, and twitching. And you can see the sort of, like, huge storm energy around the mountain. And to clarify, the, uh, the floating platform has, like, a swirling storm around it. It's mm-hmm. like an orb of storm. And it starts to fluctuate as well. Terrence, you can feel the bag kind of fluttering in your pocket. <gasps> Terrence, blow the bag. That's what you got to do. So I detach the bag from the magic bindle, and keeping the wind elemental still in it, I blow into the, into the bag. So as soon as you've got the bag kind of up and over your head to blow into, a bunch of the storm energy from around the mountain coalesces around you, and it's like it forms over you mm-hmm. and seems to take almost corporeal shape. And butthole, the altar you're on starts to tremble. I'm holding the chorus. I just slap a second. Like, I take a knee, and I hold it out towards him with, like, one hand. I'm balancing myself on the ground with the other on the altar. Holding out the compass? Holding out the compass towards you so that it keeps sending you power, man. Uh, Up on top of the platform, you hear, pardon me, my lord. Uh, And it's not in Southern Dwarven. (laughs) Pardon me, my lord. If we were betrayed by Peter Poplar, I'd be fucking livid. (laughs) It would uh, would seem the storms are starting to subside. He says, do not worry about that. Keep your focus on the heart. You see him kind of look down and shake his head, and he starts to gesture with his free hand. I grab the compass. As soon as you do, the shrine powers down, the energy dissipates off of you. <sighs> All right. Give it back. I do. I reverse that, and I give it back to him. And so I hold it up, the and, bag again. and I'm All like, right. he's the chosen yeah. one. You do the, uh, the wind, whatever. The altar starts trebling and cracking under you. Somebody else but, do but it. Ta- can you toss me the compass? Do I need to throw it or can I just let Goblin Jr. carry it over? You let Goblin Jr. carry it over, I guess. Jump. Spend as much Quickly. time in air as possible. Give to dog. Dog jump to <laughs> Alan. Goblin Jr. stumbles across the thing because he's still real drunk. He starts going to Quinny and then he's like, wait, no. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goes to Alan, uh, gives it to Alan. So, butthole, you can feel the shrine under you. The, the winds stop, but it starts to crack and splinter. Mm-hmm. Alan, the, the compass points to uh, Tornado Town Terrence and once again, Winds start to coalesce around him. You can see that sort of on the overlay of his face, the two glowing eyes of the wind god look towards you. And you can see it starts to summon something. Send it to Quinny! Yeah, I got, I'm waving with my hand open. All right. Like, give it to the dog. Goblin Jr., yeah. over to Quinny. The altar you're on stops shaking. You run it to Quinny. Quinny, you take it. Same thing happens, but now the wind god is looking squarely at you. And uh, he's going to send sort of a razor wind at you that just picks up gravel and bits of stone. Can you roll me a dexterity save, please? Mm-hmm. 12. 
you will take eight points of damage. Okay. And the wind god overlaid on Terence's body starts stalking towards you. Terence, you feel your limbs being like forced forward by the power of the god that's surrounding you. And Quinny, your your altar starts to shake. Okay. So let's roll initiative, shall we? Yeah, let's just let's just fight it. Eighteen for Quinny. Thirteen. Nine for me. <laughs> Two. It's appropriate. Yeah. Top of the round, Quinny, the uh, wind god seems to be stalking towards you. I'm going to shoot an arrow at it. Okay. 22. That'll hit. Seven. My arrow strikes true. I'm like, hey, how'd that feel? It's, you know, it's like if you're wearing sparring gear and someone pops Mm -hmm. you with a thing, but you can feel the wind kind of shake around you. You see the entire storm front tremble a bit, but the god is still stalking towards. Guys, help. Turn around town, Terrence. You have enough freedom of movement with your limbs. That mm-hmm. There are things you can do. You can attack, you can move, but you get the sense that on the wind god's turn, it's going to move you as long as it's mm-hmm. around you. I attack it from the inside, I guess. I, uh, I, I <laughs> journey into your mind palace. <laughs> I grasp my two hands together and kind of throw a haymaker with my whole body wrenching to try and uh, hit the wind god. Roll your two attacks. 18 and 16. The 18 will hit. Okay. Seven. You know, you can feel the storm front shudder a bit. This brings us to the platform. You hear a cry from above, Tornado Town Terrence! And all of a sudden, leaping over the edge, looking much rougher than you remember and with glowing blue eyes, is Tornado Town Steve, your (gasps) lost compatriot. What? He lands in a superhero pose next to you with a gust of wind. And he says, I will have thy vengeance upon you. And he rushes at you throwing fists. (laughs) And I look over at Quinny and go, pin the compass on Steve. (laughs) Uh, He will hit. So he's going to do six points of damage, but he doesn't do it to you because you're encased in Wind God. However, as he punches, he rolled a one. So one hand does come through. You want to try some jujitsu on him while he's in there? Can I grab it and try and pull him in with me? (laughs) Yep. Into the Wind God? Yeah, sure. So uh, roll me an opposed, uh, you can do that as dexterity save or? as a strength save. Two guys stuffed into a god suit. 17. You beat his roll, so you pull him into a, uh, a deadly embrace. And while he's in there, I go, you traitor, what I tell Cyclone City Kevin about this. <laughs> you leave- You're out of the order. Hey, you leave Cyclone City out of this. What did they ever do for old Steve, huh? They took over Hurricane Hamlet. <laughs> He's kind of happy to hear about the outside world, but he's also, uh, 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 he's also mad. Tornado Tan Terrence is really big into geography. <laughs> yeah, he well, knows <laughs> every part of the Valley of the Winds inside It's amazing. It. Um, you can see uh, now that he's closer, his eyes are like glowing blue. The sort of the veins creeping up both sides of his face seem to be glowing blue as well. He mm-hmm. looks looks a little worse for the wear. He doesn't look like the man you once <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Looks like he's not doing great. No. <laughs> he's made poor choices yeah. in your absence. Which brings us to Augustine. So he sees what's happening. He mutters an incantation, and all of a sudden, the wind around your altar starts to crack and splinter. My altar. Yeah, yeah. Can I try counterspell on that? Yeah, Alan, if you want to attempt to counterspell, your DC will be 17. Whatever it is, is, strong. Ooh, yeah. He reaches out, and you can see the wind around when he's saying, which is already starting to crack apart. The altar starts mm-hmm. to, to tremble and shake even more. It seems almost like he's using the, the wind as a fist to just crack it. So you reach out and attempt to counterspell it. This is a, a higher level spell than you've ever seen mm-hmm. cast. And he seems to be doing it while doing something else, which is rather alarming to you. But Alan, don't take no shit. <laughs> you reach into that and you can tell that he's drawing on a tremendous well of power. Mm-hmm. So you reach out for that as well. And as often happens, your book kind of like slides out in front of you, and flies open, mm-hmm. you drift up off the ground. And you basically tap into what he's using and force it back against him. So all of a sudden, 
the wind kind of cracks and pulls off and you see it hit the platform. The platform shakes. One of the dwarfs is tossed, screaming uh, <laughs> off into the abyss. He gets picked up by the tornado and spun off into space. As the wizard kind of stabilizes himself, he looks surprised but gently amused. She's like, my, oh my, a challenge. Um, oh, no. But you get the sense you've disrupted whatever he was attempting to do. Quinny sees it like you did something to save him and is like, wizard, fight. Wizard, <laughs> fight. Wizard, no, no, fight. Stop, 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 No, I'm with him. Wizard, fight. Alan. Um, fuck him up, Alan. So wizard, fight. You're, uh, you're, you're drunk on the power of this uh, this move you've just done. What do you do? I'd like to, to I'd like to I speak on a swirling kind shit. of vortex around the altar, right? Mm. I'd like to turn that into a flaming swirl of vortex and hopefully just engulf him in flames. Okay. So I want to throw a flaming fireball at him. So everyone within like a 20-foot radius centering on mm-hmm. on the wizard has to make a dex throw and then they'll take 8d6 fire damage on a fail or half on a success. Okay. 29 damage total. You hit the sort of swirling tornado. It's sort of the equivalent of like tossing a grenade up into mm-hmm. it. So you fire your fireball up and for a second nothing happens. Then it erupts and suddenly the winds burst into flames. It's like an artificial sun has opened up um, <laughs> as if the fire swirls. And inside you hear uh, screams. The other dwarf just comes like flying, just flaming like Icarus from the sky. (laughs) Um, And you hear the wizard not so much screaming, but more like gritting his teeth and growling inside. And you can see the sort of swirling fire start to shift and bend a bit. And you can tell he's kind of working against it, but you can also see that the amount of damage you've caused is wrecking the platform. So the platform itself is disintegrating and and crumbling, which brings us to the wind god. The wind god finds itself overstuffed with uh, with two avatars. (laughs) which is very strange. So it's going to try and get free. Can you roll me a dexterity save, please? Me? Uh, yes, uh, turn it down, Terrence. Ooh, eight. You are thrown from the god, so you fly several feet, and you would take four damage, but you're a monk, so you've got soft falling, so you just kind yes. of tuck and roll. However, Tornado Town Steve holds on tight, so he's inside, but seems very confused about where he is and what's going on. Okay. The compass is pointing at Tornado Town Steve now. Oh, I, I like kind of like smack... The thing like a remote that doesn't work. Like, no, no, it's the other guy. It's We want Tornado Town Terrence. Tornado Town Terrence, you still have the bindle, right? I still have the bag of winds. Okay. The wind god begins to dissipate rather quickly. You got to have the compass and the bag. If you blow, maybe you'll get it again. I yell from the other side, confused. (laughs) Wizard fight? (laughs) That brings us to the end of the round. No, no butthole? Oh, no, that brings us to butthole. Has the god dissipated? The god is starting to dissipate. Well, I mean, this seems logically a pretty great time for a cheap shot on a wind god, (laughs) so I just yell, Moonhammer! And as I'm sprinting towards Steve, still wrapped in some wind, I yell, Come on, Junior! And then he staggers over, and he does what he thinks will be a leap to get Steve's throat, but he sort of misses, like his back legs don't quite work right. So he ends up bowling a strike. Like he's just hitting Steve in sure. the side of the legs with his full armored <laughs> body weight. And I'm just baseball bat, like two-handed swing sure. right at Steve. 19 to hit. So as your hammer comes swinging through, you're kind of expecting to hit the wind god, uh, as was the case with Terrence. But like hitting a thing of smoke, the wind god just kind of dissipates around the hammer. Nah, just hit Steve. Steve doesn't. I'm fine with <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, 11 damage. You hear like a, a meaty thwack and you just knock him out of the wind god. So he, he goes flying out the side and the wind god dissipates. And I yell after him, don't come to parties when you're not invited. <laughs> Top of the round, Quinny, uh, I need you to roll me a dexterity save as the altar you're on splinters and falls apart. Yeah, I'm going to try and like jump off of it. Yep. Ooh, natural one. Let's do the lucky roll. 
And that's much better. 23. So you manage to leap and land safely. The altar cracks, splinters, and falls apart behind you, mm. uh, seemingly having been drained of energy. Currently in front of you, there's the fireball above you. Steve has been knocked out of the wind god. Wind god is dissipated. And you can tell as the wind god dissipates that the storm grows much, much stronger and seems to be closing in. Since we've got two altars left, three, I taught... Three. three, pardon me, sorry, three. Uh, I, I toss the compass to a uh, butthole and I run over to Tornado Town Steve. I'm on the ground. Alan's still on an altar. I, I don't want to distract from Alan. So you know what? Because uh, wizard fight. Wizard fight. Shut up, shut up. I'm going <laughs> to run to another altar and be like, hey, you know, he, he's cool. Uh, give him the wind god powers. And I point at Tornado Town Terrence. So as you step on the altar, wind picks up and the wind god starts to form around uh, Tornado Town Terrence. But you get the sense you'll need to do the bag magic for it to, to work proper. Okay. Tornado Town Terrence. I blow into the magic bag. So the, uh, the wind god coalesces around you again. You can feel its form. What do you do? I punch the, the punch wind god again. Punch fucking wind god. Yeah. yeah, do it up. 18 and 12. The 18 will hit the 12 will not. And that's seven. And I am going to stunning strike. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. Yeah. When you hit an enemy, you can spend one key. Target must succeed on a constitution save or be stunned until the end of the next turn. Nice. Yep. You hit the wind god. The wind god seems to be confused about sort of coming in, coming out. And I think you're probably doing some wacky shit in the bag that's confusing it. So uh, <laughs> it, um, it's not used to, to having a bagpiper fighter from within. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, it is stunned. Excellent. Free hits on the wind So god. attack rolls against the god have advantage. Which brings us to Augustine. So the... Wizard uh, fight. <laughs> Wizard fight. What don't you understand about shut up? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a fun wizard fight. He's Our wizard is angry. At you! You've done it now, Augustine. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter. Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter. Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter. Our special guest and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. And Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser. And our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dum Dum Dice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. The first thing you need to know about the Vegas Sci-Fi Adventure podcast is that you're not just listening to someone tell you a story. You are stepping into a world. And Vega Rex, the woman at the center of this saga, is currently sitting at the top of it. This is not by accident. For millennia, the country Vega calls home has been carefully honing the skills of its state-contracted killers. And these so-called holy warriors have gotten real good at taking down the world's worst criminals. Or, as they would call it, cleansing. 400 kills into her career, Vega is the most decorated hunter there has ever been. And likely would have stayed that way if it had not been for him. 
An explosive encounter with a terrorist sets Vega on a path of revenge that is so thoroughly illegal that before this story is done, she will have risked it all, life, limb, and love, to satisfy her vengeance and keep her record of righteous kills perfect. My name is Ivoma Okoro, and I have so much more to tell you about this. Check out Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast, anywhere you listen to them. Because, baby, I'm just getting started.